Welcome everyone to the Almost Cancelled TV podcast. I am Peter and joining me as always is Connor. Yep, yep, still here every week, it feels like anyway. I mean, it's only the second episode of the year, but you know. Yeah, but even when we don't do one, it, it still feels like it's every damn week I have to suffer with you. All right, well, if that's how you feel. Uh, this is a TV podcast. We get together and we talk about new show orders, pilots, renewals, cancellations, that kind of thing. And uh, we're we'll getting into it today. Uh, a very different set of news from last episode. Uh, not Nowhere near as many pages in terms of things, but there is some other types of news to get into. So, uh, so what did Netflix cancel this week? Well, we start with renewals, not cancellations. You should know that's by now. It's re- I, I do, but uh, I'm just, you know, it, it's more interesting. Literally been the format for years. Yeah, we can shake things up. Mm. Uh, so starting off with renewals, we have The Last of Us has been renewed for season two at, uh, at HBO. Not surprising. In fact, I didn't put it in the, the news as a separate story or anything, but I did see this week that the viewership went up again for episode three. So it's it's still rising episode to episode, which is... Particularly yeah. impressive. So, uh, very good. Not surprising. they got a whole second game to adapt, uh, which they'll get two seasons out of. So, they're good for a while. And given how long these prestige TV shows take to do a season now, because it's not yearly anymore. It's like a year and a half, two years, maybe even longer in some cases. There's a very good chance that the third game will exist by the time they need it for season four. <laughs> so, Yeah, I did see something the other day. I think it was someone involved in Sony TV, actually. Mm. Uh, talking about how they really want to get back to even prestige TV kind of being more on a yearly cycle because they're kind of feeling like the, the way they're looking at it is that um, the longer gap is actually hurting viewership on some shows when people are coming mm. back. I, I'm, I'm looking, I, I'm wondering if they're looking at shows like Westworld. Obviously, we feel the quality declined as well, which is more where we're coming from. But I do wonder if there is something to the fact that there's like two years between seasons where it, people are like, mm, I don't know. I think I don't know. It's so case by case because I would argue something like it Stranger is. Things is going up every season, and part of the part of that is the wait and the anticipation of getting the new season. So, and I think yeah, there's there's definitely other examples where the extra wait did not hurt anything. Uh, there's definitely examples of it, but I don't know if if I look at it on paper, they might be the rule, you know, like the exception to the rule, right? Whereas. As opposed to something like network traditional network TV where you're twenty plus episodes a season, it's on, you know, nearly half the year in terms of the weeks and the way they schedule it, it's only really off for a couple of months at a time. And it's really easy just to be a you know, with this routine habit, whereas when a show's two years between seasons, it's hard to get that routine. Yeah. But that's the thing though, like prestige TV on like HBO or whatever other network, they tend to only have about ten episodes anyway, so it's not like you're used to being there over half the year, what you do with network shows. So that same routine element's kind of gone anyway. It's true. And I, I do one as well, though, because a lot of the shows now, they're, they're like eight to ten, 10 episodes, as opposed to, the, you know, the 13 that you maybe used to have, which maybe not doesn't feel like much. But Not, not in a long time. I, I, when was the last time there was a 13-episode show from any of these places? I don't think I've seen I, one in ages. No, I agree. But I, and I'm, not, I, I'm not saying this is a recent development, and I'm not sure... Whoever it was at Sony is also saying it's a recent thing. I think it's a long-term trend that they're looking at. That said, though, I think a Sony TV exec saying that they're going to try and shift in direction does not indicate to me that that is definitely going to be the case here. And especially given how big budget and how much effort seems to be going to last of us season one, I do think it'll take probably two years for season two. Um, 
another example recently was um like severance season one was last like spring and when asked about when season two was coming it was like well this season took two years to make so see in two years was basically the the response uh so i i do i do think i think there's a solid chance that season four last of us if they want one and i you know if it's deep's been successful you presume they will know what to turn the third game which is definitely happening into later seasons of the show it's probably going to be a bit of similar size to two just because i don't see them going shorter again it's just not the way games are in franchises i mean they could prove me wrong but typically speaking i think once they've established that a game is supposed to be 25 to 30 hours i expect that future entries will probably adhere to a similar length maybe not the exact same but similar um so because of that i i do think that and especially since we have neil Druckmann working on both the show and the one who's like writing and directing the next game it makes a lot of sense that even if the third game is not quite out yet when they have to start production or start writing season four he's already going to have the, the scripts are for the game out he's, oh, like, oh, 100%. he's going to be like they, they, they'll be at the point where they're doing like tech fixes and fixing bugs and you know they'll all be like the last year of development or something like that by the time we get to that stage so i, I guess what i'm trying the, the whole point of what i'm trying to see is this is not a game of thrones situation where george rr R. martin years after the show's finished still hasn't written the next book <laughs> is what i'm getting at. i'll be surprised if he's even written half of the next book yeah and i don't think it's going to be a case where then you have to worry about a fourth game because I don't think there's going to be a fourth game. If I was to guess, I think this will be a trilogy and then probably that's yeah. it. Um, because, you know, people keep asking him about Uncharted and Neil Druckmann says every time he's asked, that story's done, we're finished. Now, Sony might give it to another developer to do a spin-off series or something at some point, but as far as Druckmann and core are concerned, that main story is done. So, I will say as well something that this last episode established without any spoilers of course mm-hmm. i think should it get to a point where they feel like hey we're kind of treading water they could take an extended break and do a spin-off show kind of like anthology style and like you know tales from oh yeah the, the, know, the, the world of the last of us quite easily they, they they very well could do that um and it wouldn't be so much that they're treading water they, that would just be a decision they make when they're like okay the material's not ready for the next season so let's do something yeah. else first uh, I, yeah I, I could maybe see them doing that but i don't think they're going to have to worry about that for like I, I think that's not a concern at all unless they get to the point where they've done the three games because i'm assuming the third game will be out in the next four or five years and i think that's a reasonable enough expectation gonna be their next game what was their last one Last one was Last of Us. Well, Last of Us Part 1 remake, technically, but that was like a quick thing. Depends if they've got something else in between. Well, they've got factions, but I think their next next single-player game is Last of Us Part 3. It definitely sounds like it from all the the hints and stuff. Fair enough. And to be fair, I think there's probably an incentive if, like, you know, because the show exists and because Druckmann's working on the show and he knows that there needs to, that story needs to at least be in place for when, the, and uh, I don't think yeah. he's going to want to have those two seasons come out, even if he's already written the story for the game. I don't think he wants to adapt that and let people see the show before the game does it first, if that makes sense. I think he'll yeah. want his original incarnation to finish the way it was supposed to first and then adapt I agree, it. which is why still it might end up being a case of, hey, let's do something else for a season while we kind of wait for the game to come out even depending because hbo's you know cycle is completely independent to sony's game publishing cycle they might decide oh "Oh, this is when this game's coming out tough shit this is when we want it and you know we kind of have to delay the tv show a year potentially yeah i mean 
I don't think it's going to be an issue though, because like I say, I think it's going to take two years to make season two anyway, and that's only half a game two. And then I think it's going to be another two years for season three, and at that point, I don't think there's going to be a dispute, because I think, well, <laughs> it's really just getting to the point where it's time to make season four anyway, so... Probably, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's my, my rough guess of the situation. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it how it shapes up. But uh, given how successful it is, I suspect that the Sony and HBO have probably got a very nice... They're probably in good moods with each other right now, and uh, patting each other on the back, so, yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, Last of Us was fantastic this last week, by the way. Uh, go check out my review that went up. Uh, it was, it was I, excellent. I, I will say, um, I was on record, especially on, on this news show, as being very cautious. I, I, I want to, you know, I, don't, I never said it looked bad, but I was concerned going in that everything they'd shown pre-release was a very, very faithful adaptation to the point where I wasn't sure if there, if it was worth having an adaptation if it's too faithful yeah all, all i'll interject with here is that i thought it proved worthwhile in episode one I, I thought all the little things they changed and the things they added to already made it feel like it was worth doing to me and i was excited from then on obviously episode three was a much bigger sort of swing it was a much bigger let's take something reconceptualize it for the tv show because it works better in this format this way yeah I, I don't think i quite felt that way that you did with episode one or two i thought they were good well-made episodes of TV. I don't want to take that away from it. I still think they're enjoyable. Um, but I still, I, I did find myself going, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's more I'm not really gaining too much new from the adaptation in those particular episodes. For me, I think the third one definitely proved its value. I think the important thing about that third episode, though, and its changes is that regardless of the major things that it changed about that part of the game, is that its thematic importance to the main character's story was pretty much the same in, ter- in terms of like what it's foreshadowing in terms of what it's like provoking that you think about it's making it's doing the exact same job it's just doing it in a different way for a different medium and i think that's what makes it so special so uh yeah i'll just say this you know that's got a war tv show and your horizon movie that's getting made like you're there's a new benchmark <laughs> for these adaptations now uh that you know uh, I, I i mean still not the best video game adaptation uh it absolutely is what, what are you it's even not. suggesting arcane arcane is better no one cares about arcane like people care about arcane because like even if even if it's got a dedicated following who really love it you're not you're not arguing to me that it's bigger than the prestige I didn't HBO say bigger, show. I said better yeah well I, I do i think it's better okay what's what game is it even from league of legends Oh god, no, piss off with it. I don't care. No, burn it. Burn it to the ground. I don't care what it is. Like it's League of Legends, that doesn't matter how good it is. Burn it with fire. Uh a lot of shit. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, you're one of these hipsters. There was people with, not hipsters. Th- no, there was a moment before Last of Us launched where someone saw on Twitter was like, everyone you know, all these publications saying it's finally going to break the, the adaptation, you know, video game curse, and someone's like, But excuse me, the Castlevania anime was really good. Uh, was pretty good. I'm really looking forward to the next one that we're uh, doing. <laughs> Come on. It's not, it's not even on the same scale. Uh, th- this has changed the game. Okay, I mean even if you don't what you argue best. As far as live action goes, nothing even touches no, I'll give, this. I'll give you live action. Nothing touches this. And I think in general, people care more about live action as a as a populace. I do as a person, but I know as a populace, I think the general public do. That doesn't mean the general public are right. General not, public are awful. I'm not saying they're right, 
But the point I'm making is that it's a bigger deal. If more people are interested in it and it's getting all the buzz and there's people talking about it, um, like, it just, it's easily bigger than all these other examples. Just want to point out again, I never said it wasn't bigger. I never said it wasn't more well, you know, widely loved by lots of people. Just that Arcane was better. I mean, I'm sure that's wrong. I'm sure that's wrong. Hey, only one of us here have seen both of them. Oh, I'll never watch Arcane. Uh, exactly, so you can't have an informed opinion. It's never as, changing. As, as, as the one here with an informed opinion, Arcane is better. Yeah, well, you didn't like Chernobyl, so, you know, your, your opinion is compromised. We can't take your word I for anything. I finally saw someone else on Twitter. Like someone relatively notable, like, you know, with with a reasonable following, you know that, that you know is, is interested in you know and and kind of critiques media in general that wasn't big on Chernobyl. I'm like, oh my god, I feel validated. I'm not the only person. <laughs> okay, there's two of you. There's there's two of us now. There's two of you in the entire planet. <laughs> We're growing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that was the first renewal. Last of Us got renewed. <laughs> Look, I'm very opinionated on the show. I love it. Mm-hmm. And news of it is going to be relevant. Uh, and the fact that Connors haven't eaten crow and admit that it's very good is is uh, enjoyable. So Again, never said it wouldn't be good. Well, no, but it still proved you wrong because you were saying, ah, oh, is it worth the adaptation? And you had to eat crow after episode three. So regardless, I've enjoyed myself. Yeah, it's still not as good as I can. I have no idea what you're talking about. You brought up Westworld. This this is me looking at the paper and going, this means nothing to me. Like, it, it legitimately means nothing to me. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, Netflix did renew something uh, this week. They renewed, apparently it's a hit, but also probably quite cheap to make. That 90s show got renewed for season two. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Not that I've seen anyone talk about it, but it, it makes sense that it's... I people guess enough it. people wanted it's to watch cheap. it for the cameos of the old cast members and, you know, aside from the one who's currently on trial for rape, except that one. But everyone else came back, I think, for a cameo. I didn't even see any, like, reviews for it. Like, I don't know no, if it was I. enjoyed. Like, I literally saw nothing. I didn't even realize it was out. It, do you know what it feels to me? It feels like something that was created by AI. It was like, okay, reboot old show, put in some cameos, market it, enough people will click on it, uh, you know, make bank. But... Like, I don't see any passion. I don't see anyone, like, really caring about it. And I never liked that 70s show that much, so I didn't care enough to even look at yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't really care either way. I just... I didn't even realise it was out, because I've seen nothing, like, at all from anyone. Good or bad. Yep. Uh, and Racy's Mayfair Witches somehow got renewed for season two at AMC. Uh, one of the more baffling <laughs> renewals I've seen in the past couple of weeks. I, I assume you were forced to watch that. I was forced to watch the first episode, and it was. Uh, eh. Do you know the sad part is, is that there was like a there was a central theme that I thought, you know what, there's like a good skeleton to the story, but it's it's all too, you know, we have to be appealing to a certain sort of like audience, and they're just which not is that, not you, which is definitely definitely not. Well, me. well, here's the question: Was it like objectively bad, and that's why you're surprised that it got renewed, or is it just it was so not for you that you're shocked that other people can enjoy it i mean it's an amc show and i think you know what i mean when i say that i, I do yeah it's just very bland but it has yeah. some spookiness and it has alice under the dario which i guess was enough for mom sold 
<laughs> Two big reasons to watch it right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1923 got renewed for season two at Paramount Plus. This is one of the uh, the Yellowstone. Uh, this is the prequel. Yeah, was this? Is this not a limited series? It, it, I think it was, but apparently the way it ended, it was because the article when I read about the renewal said, uh, if you were upset with kind of how open that that ended, it's because, don't worry, it's getting a season two. And apparently the creators like, yeah, yeah, like the whole story needs two seasons. So they never just, I don't know if they were just lying about it before. But this is the Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren one, so they got big cast members uh, coming back for a second season. Yeah, so that's something. Yeah. Uh, so that's the that's part of the Yellowstone televisual universe, the YTU, which I do kind of want to watch. Although I have heard the main show has kind of spinning some wheels and is losing it a little bit towards mm. the last season. Although there seems to be a disconnect where fat people who were fans of the show from the start before it kind of got like acclaim, you know, and before critics kind of picked up on it, tend to be the ones that are down on it, whereas Critics just kind of coming into it, especially in the you know in the last couple of seasons where it's kind of blown up a bit, still seem to be pretty hot on it. So mm. I wonder, I wonder if it's just hipsters being like, "Oh, my thing's not cool anymore because everyone likes <laughs> it, so I, I can't like it anymore." Very possibly. I don't know. Like I have no gauge of what the quality of it is. I mean, is it possible that it? It's become more for a general audience and they don't like that, which is something where I'd side with the people who liked it to begin with. Or is it a case of it was trashier and has gotten better, but the things that those original audience liked it for, they, you know, they don't like that it's actually gotten better in quality. <laughs> because they wouldn't say that that way, obviously, but that's from an outsider's perspective. It's changed, yeah. yeah. Which I'm sure it has changed over five or six seasons, whatever it is, because any TV show does change over that period. Yeah. Uh,. Next up, Amazon have renewed the Terminal list for season two. This is the one starring Chris Pratt. Other than that, I couldn't tell oh. you anything about it. Uh, but they also have greenlit a prequel show starring Taylor Kitsch, who's in the regular show, but he's going to do a prequel season. Yeah, this is this is clearly what the people want. Oh, they're gagging for it. So uh, don't, we'll talk about this more later when we get to the new dramas. But Amazon are all about the uh, multi-show, uh... multi, you know. The, the shared universe malarkey. Like they really want to get into that stuff. Mm. Uh, of course they do. Who doesn't? Night Court's been renewed for season two at NBC. This, of course, is the reboot of the old show, uh, but it's about a bit of a hit. Uh, but I think it was the, 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 one of the headlines were saying, oh, the new boom for like multi-camera sitcoms. Apparently, between this and something and a couple, like there's actually kind of like some successful mm. multi-camera sitcoms on right now. So, And it's been a little while since that's been the case. Now, does that mean they're good? I'm not sure. I've not checked it out, but... Uh, you know, canned laughter to me. Like, it doesn't bother me when I'm watching something from the 80s or 90s because it's just that that was of its time. Um, I don't know if it's because canned laughter inherently I just can't get through anymore, or if it's just because all the shows that I tried to watch with canned laughter and like in the late 2000s and early 2010s were just bad, and that's why it didn't work for me. But it's possible. Uh, so that's the Night Court renewed for season two. Uh, CBS renewed. So help me, Todd, for season two. I remember uh, enjoying that title. I saw the, the trailer because it was like up for the pilot vote. No, it didn't, you know, do well enough to get done. But, uh, it's a, you know, it looked like a sort of, you know, light drama, comedy kind of show. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Fox have renewed The Cleaning Lady for season three. Uh, this is about the lady who cleans up things for the mob. <laughs> yep. Uh, so 
that's cool. And then the last renewal we've got here is Hemp Monkey. The animated series has been renewed for season two at Hulu. This is a Marvel show. And you know funny? The only reason why I know it's a Marvel show without like having to check is because Hitmonkey got added to Marvel Puzzle Quest, uh, which I do play occasionally on my tablet when I'm on the toilet seat. <laughs> so, the, the amount of obscure Marvel characters I've learned about just because they pop up in that game is like, who, who is this? Who's, who's this? I haven't played that in like six weeks, maybe, maybe longer. Yeah. But well, I, I was playing, I, last I played it was near the start of the Black Panther season. Because. Mm. You know, because sometimes they're looking, I'm like, who's this mermaid-looking chick? I'm like, I'm assuming you're related to Nam- Namor, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm just going to have to assume. You know, there's <laughs> characters like that. But anyway, so that, that's your renewals. On to the cancellations. Um, and we're definitely in that season for renewals and cancellations, because we had a lot last time, and there was quite a number. You know, that was a, that was a lot of renewals for one week on here. It was, yeah. Uh, first up, Pennyworth, the origins of Batman's butler. <laughs> has been cancelled after season three on HBO Max. I mean, I'm surprised it got this long. Um, Fair. But once it got folded into HBO Max, I think it was dead. Like like a lot of other things. I don't think it was specific to just this. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Doom Patrol and Titans, they did actually... Like, they, they got, like, three seasons at HBO Max. Like, obviously, there's a difference between HBO Max before the last year and a HBO Max now, which is, you know, Bloodbath City. Th- that is true. But this got folded more recently this only had one season on max right yeah no the first two were on uh epics so i say that sounds right yeah uh so is that uh kindred got cancelled at fx after one season uh this was kind of an interesting time travel show i saw the pilot of uh but it was kind of you know it involved a, a modern day black woman getting sent back in time to slavery times uh, and sort of like going back and forth, uh, time traveling. So it's quite a heavy show. Like, I, you know, I yeah. watched the first episode, thought this is all, all right, and I could see some potential in it. But I also felt like I don't know if I want another heavy show that deals with this topic because it feels like there's been a few that have kind of touched upon that in the last few years, and I just wasn't really feeling like a sort of you know a miserable hour of TV like that every week. Uh, and maybe enough people felt that way since FX have uh, decided not to renew yeah. it. Uh, and then Hulu have cancelled Reboot after one season. This was the show that was about making a, a, a reboot of an old sitcom. I remember thinking the trailer looked better than I would have expected. Yeah, the trailer looked kind of funny, yeah. Uh, so that's done. Uh, Disney Plus have cancelled the mysterious Benedict Society after two seasons. Okay, I don't know what that one is. It's got Tony Hale in it, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's running like a kind of like a school for like gifted kids who have got like powers or something. I don't know. Sounds like a Disney show. Yeah. Uh, next up, Showtime have cancelled both American Gigolo and Let the Right One In, and this sort of goes hand in hand with Showtime now merging with Paramount Plus. Yeah, I saw that. I think it changed the name again. They can't because not not only did they change the name already, like. I saw, like, when I went to the movies at Christmas, uh, because Paramount Plus is launched all over the world now, there was literally an ad for Paramount Plus where it was like a Paramount, Paramount, Paramount Plus, uh, with a montage of... <laughs> I hate it so much. I know, it was, it was really cringy. Um, but they've been, like, w- w- would it not be hilarious if they w- feel like they have to change the name in the US because of this merger, but the rest of the world has Paramount Plus now? Like, they're not going to change, like, why would they change it everywhere else? I think the smart thing to do is just to keep it as Paramount Plus. But apparently the weird thing about this merger is that 
um it's both the streaming and the network so technically the showtime channel will become like the paramount plus channel then it'll share some content so I, maybe you could compare it to hbo and hbo max I, but it feels kind of like uh stuff will premiere on the channel but then it'll instantly be on the service or something like that i don't know yeah maybe but uh part of all this is that they're I guess, like, gutting a lot of the, the, the things they had at Showtime that don't fit their new portfolio that they want. Um, sadly, it does sound like it means they're probably going to make half as many things because now it's just one thing rather than two things. Yeah. And Paramount Plus' shows are doing better thanks to Yellowstone and Star Trek. So, Not Halo, though. Oh, definitely not Halo. Uh, you really like to talk about bad video game adaptations. No one seems to like that piece of shit. No, I can't think of anyone. <laughs> I, I never actually got around to trying it. Nah. I, mean, I, I don't want to hate watch it at some point. Though. I didn't like it at all, but like that's not surprising for me. But the fact that like fans of the game were all, all angry about changes, I didn't think it worked on its own. Uh, yeah, the complete polar opposite of like what the first episode of Last of Us does like for a new audience. Uh, Alright, then after that, we got The Blacklist is ending with its upcoming 10th season on NBC. So Jesus, I got to 10 pretty good run i actually didn't realize this it was just when i was reading about the cancellation that the lead actress actually left in season eight or i don't i don't know if she left at the end of season eight or the start of season eight but right. around there she left along with the showrunner but uh james spader who was the you know the guy with all the clues stuck yep. around that said though i don't know how long that person like because that was the premise of the show at the start is that he wanted to work with the main character because he knew her father or, or he he is her father but he's, he's really shady but he's going to help her solve crimes but be all mysterious about it I don't know how long they kept that going before it had to change. It must have changed slightly at some point to sort of just be like, how is he still knowing more things to help? Yeah. His information broke. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it had to evolve at some point. Uh, so technically this one's also a renewal, but it's also a cancellation. So I put it in the cancellations because that's the, the final part of it. <laughs> so, Labria. That, oh. was was a... Uh... Was Blacklist the one that during the, the pandemic kind of finished its season with the animated thing? It, yeah, yeah, it had an episode that was like half animated or something, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember it, and it, it was really janky animation as well, from what I remember seeing. Which is really weird when you, like, just wait. <laughs> You'll be back like, eventually. Long term, when people go to rewatch that, like, you know, the ten seasons of it, there's just going to be this weird thing at the end of, like, season six or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so La Brea, which was a terrible show on NBC, it was a, uh, it was trying to be like the new Lost, and it had this like mystery element, and it was like a, a portal opened up in the middle of like LA or wherever, and it sent a bunch of people back into dinosaur times or something mm. like that. And um, but it was like it was just like, it was literally just following plot beats from Lost pilot. It was actually kind of funny to watch, like knowing a Lost well enough. I was like, this is just a really bad version of that. Uh, but it got enough viewership to get a season two. And technically a season three, although they confirmed that season three is only going to be six episodes, so heavily cut down from the 13 or whatever it was getting before. And apparently the reason for this is because the networks are gearing up that there may be some strikes in the next year, so they're planning some shorter seasons to just sort of like preempt and like so it won't mess with the schedule as much as... Oh, that's kind of shitty. Yeah, so it, apparently, so there's three possible strikes that could happen because... Uh, the Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, and SAG-AFTRA, which is the, the actor, Screen Actors yeah. Guild, all three of their contracts are up between May and June. <laughs> oh, they're screwed. So, any one of them could strike. 
if, if, it, uh, if it's anything like uh, the UK has been in the last couple of months, expect nothing. <laughs> expect no content whatsoever, because uh, j- just, just for anyone unfamiliar, we've had post-strikes, train strikes, uh, we've had teacher strikes, we've had nurses strikes, we've had ambulance driver strikes, all in the last, like, two to three months. Yeah. Uh, so May first, May first is when the Writers Guild contract expires, and then the directors and actors both end on June thirtieth. So, so it was so funny is that the Writers Guild could go on strike. They might wrap that up by the end of June, and then the other two may go on strike. Oh, I mean, what a time to be alive! Don't get me wrong; none of them could go on strike. They may all just agree to deals. It may go smoothly. It's possible. It happens more often than it doesn't. It doesn't. But you know what? I lived through the two thousand eight writer strike, so now I just I dread it every time it comes up. Yeah, we had that little one couple a few years ago, right? Where it was kind of really down to the wire. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was like it was like they kept extending the deadline because there were basically yeah. like there was lawyers in a room all night, like well, negotiating. We can do this. We can do this. We just need twelve more hours. Yeah, and they eventually did sort of agree in some terms, and that kind of wrapped up. Uh, there was one in the eighties as well, in nineteen eighty-eight, give or take. And I, I learned about this because the writer for Halloween Four on his commentary track on the old DVD, said that the writer strike was about to start and he had to finish his script. <laughs> before. like, oh shit, you get what you get. <laughs> and yeah, apparently one of these was, uh, was, was pretty rough. And you do notice actually, uh, there is a couple, it's not as bad as the 2008 one, but if you go back and look at TV shows from that season, I, I don't know if it was 87 to 88 or 88 to 89, but uh, whatever season it was, there are some shorter seasons. You know, so some shows that would have been 26 episodes only had about 20, which is not that big of a difference compared to what happened in 2008, but... I think it's interesting that if it happened, if it does happen this time, there'll be a really delayed reaction to when you feel it because of... It'll be later, yeah. Because obviously, there's obviously also effect network TV, but that tends to be, at least for us and a lot of our audience, tends not to be what we're mostly watching now. No. What will probably happen is that it means that in theory, let's say three or four months go by with no making cut, which is an extreme amount, but let's say it's that much. It probably means that later on they're going to spread some of the things they had ready over a longer period of time to try and disguise yeah, it. Yeah, I, do, I don't think you'll go just a period with nothing, like like it was in days gone by. I think it'll be more, hey, we we can just we'll make this last, so you'll get a show every six weeks instead of every three weeks, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, if you watch, like, say, all four FBI shows, you're, you're, everything's coming to a grinding uh, halt, yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your entertainment's just gone. Yeah. All right, so let's go on to some other things. Uh, we have one premiere, which is for a, a comedy on Netflix uh, called Unstable. It's coming on the 30th of March. Uh, and I've got a description here, just because, you know, I didn't think we'd know what this was. So, uh, Unstable follows an introverted son, played by John Owen Lowe, who goes to work for his very successful, wildly eccentric father, played by Rob Lowe. So, I'm going to go on a wild leap and say that they're real father and son. Uh, in order to save him and his successful biotech company from disaster, it is inspired by Rob and John Owen Lowe's social media relationship, in which John Owen often humorously trolls his dad. So, I mean, it could be alright. Yeah, yeah. Do we argue that that's family, professional and personal? As a father going to work with his son, it is in concept, but it's got to it's got to hit the uh, the okay. style of saying okay. it. Otherwise, what's the point? Okay, okay. So I don't have any sort of like general things. We're just going straight into the comedies. But uh, 
uh, there's like a whole sort of subsection of the dramas that uh, we'll get to in a bit. Uh, so new comedies. Fox's developing guards. Uh, a comedy created and starring and executive produced by actor comedian Noor Davis, um, uh, with comedy writer Crystal Jenkins. Uh, guards is a single camera irreverent comedy with. Did they said it said irreverent in the last one as well. I love that word. Uh, irreverent comedy with heart that follows the exploits of a group of Ill- eclectic security guards as they protect an affluent gated community. Uh, Davis plays a newly hired guard, Lance Lamont, an enthusiastic but reserved rule follower who has a strong desire to protect others, even if it's just with a flashlight. Though he works with his colleagues' nerves, or sorry, he works his colleagues' nerves, they're bonded by their contempt for the needy, entitled residents and less than stellar boss. So, I can see the, the you know, as a sitcom premise, I can see it. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a low stakes like security guard who has to deal with a bunch of shitty residents. I yeah, can see, I can and he's see the comedy take it way too seriously, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I can see the comedies. Yeah, yeah there's, there's potential in that for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so you got that, and then we got Fox are developing a single camera comedy called Rock Camp uh, from the Goldbergs co-executive producer Steve Bassalon and Jeff Rowe and David Fishoff. Fishoff, what a name! It's just fish with O-F after it. Fish off. It could be fish off, I suppose, but look. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah. Uh, who is founder of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. The project follows a down-in-his-luck rock star who, after a series of screw-ups, begrudgingly goes to teach at Rock Camp, a summer camp where anyone can live out their fantasy of shredding next to their favourite rockers in order to satisfy court mandate and save his reputation. Kind of knock off School of Rock, isn't it? A little well, bit. A little bit. This is... it's, it's, it's not exactly, but you can see the inspiration. Yeah. I'm not... I think eventually, you... in the same way that eventually you have to accept that you can have a shark movie again, I think after School of Rock, eventually you have to accept there's going to be movies about, you know. But just because everyone copied a shark tale doesn't mean that. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that was the reaction I wanted. You, you, you try to crack a joke, Connor, but your your judgment and movie knowledge is so debatable. It, it was the, it was the it... first non George Shark movie I could think of. I don't know. I'm just saying people might have actually believed it was possible <laughs> that you just wouldn't know what Jaws is. That's all I'm well, saying. Shark has a classic. I've never had the pleasure. Oh, wow. Will Smith in, in all his animated glory as a fish. Look, there's Jaws, there's Deep Blue Sea. If you're feeling frisky, Shark Attack 3. But that's, that's, that's where, that's where, that's where you, you cut it off. You're done there. Oh, no, The Shallows was okay. It wasn't a great movie, but it was okay. It was uh, fine. Yeah. All right, next up. Patricia Heaton is coming back to uh, sitcom TV. There's no title for this one, but it's a multi-camera comedy from... Capital Entertainment. It doesn't mention mention Aaron Kaplan, but I know. I we know. know. We know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's going to be starring and executive produced by the Emmy winner uh, Patricia Patricia Heaton. Did I say Clarkson before? No. No. Oh, okay. I think so. I, I almost said it that second time, so I, I, I debated well or not. I said it in my head the first time. Now Patricia Heaton, she's the actress, the wife from uh, Everybody Else Raymond. For people who 
We're putting a face yeah, to the name. Pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what you said yeah. the first time. Anyway, so it was set up at Fox in 2021 with a straight-to-series commitment, uh, but it's now found writers, and they're getting going with it. Uh, comedy writers Carol Leifer and Andy Gorn have been tapped to uh, write the untitled half-hour comedy. Um, and we now have a premise for it. So we, this meta came up a long time ago in the news, but this is the first time we've had a synopsis for it, so I think it's fair shake to mm-hmm. put it in here. Uh, Heaton is set to start as the host of an upscale lifestyle show sent to prison for embezzlement and tax evasion. She gets out after two years, forgotten and broke, and moves to Tennessee to live with her estranged sister. Mm. It doesn't specify that that's like where she came from, so I don't know if that counts it as the going home. There's, there's an implication, just because that's where the sister is, but also... And Joe, what's so weird is this is almost two different rules. It's almost the goes home again, and it's almost the uh, you know because we have the the parent moving in with the the kid, yeah. but it's not that because it's a sister. It's siblings, yeah. So it, it's very close to being two of the drinking rules, but doesn't quite not quite it. on either. I, I suspect that it might turn out that this is actually the hometown, and it may, yeah, yeah, I can see it, yeah. But they just haven't given us that context in the description. Nah, so we can't count it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the rest of the dramas, I've actually just got a section that I'm referring to DC Comics because there was a lot of DC Comics news this week. Some of it, of course, was movies. I'll me- mention them briefly at the end just to sort of like be, you know, complete with it. But we're going to focus on the TV properties, obviously. Uh, before we get to the actual big list of announcements, there was like a little bit afterwards about Superman and Lois where James Gunn was asked because James Gunn and Peter uh, Safran are the, the people who are running this new DC universe. Uh, they've got this game plan and... Uh, they've even got a title for... They're calling it Chapter 1, but it, to compare it to Marvel, it's their Phase, phase 1. Yeah. Right? That's what it is. Uh, but obviously when all this was coming out, they were asked about Superman and Lois. Just worth so. knowing, you, you mentioned that comparing it to Marvel's Phase 1. Mm-hmm. This is a very different approach to what Marvel Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. I, I only meant that in terms of naming their, like, periods. Yeah, I just, I just want to make all. it clear for anyone who hasn't oh, been following this. I'm gonna, we're going to get into all that. I just want to get a Superman yeah. and Lois bit out of the way before I get into it. Because uh, he was asked, like, you know, is that safe? You know, <laughs> like, is that going away? What's happening? Because all these other shows are getting cancelled, Doom Patrol, Titans, all, you know. Um, and he basically said uh, it's popular and it'll go for another one or two more seasons. What's really confusing about that answer is that its third season's not started airing yet. So technically it could get cancelled after this season that's already been shooting and that statement would be correct still because that was one more season. And ultimately, I think uh, it's not his choice. Yeah, yeah. I I think because um, one or two more seasons, if it includes season three, that could mean it'll get a third and maybe a fourth season. If it doesn't include season three, because that's already done in his mind, then it could be a fourth or a fifth season it gets to. But it could also just be the third season, and that could be it. It could be. So, but, but like I said, ultimately, I, I don't think it's... Up to him, really. It's just, just CW's decision, really, at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, very probably. But I think it's safe to say that he's not factoring Superman and Lois into any of his shared universe plans. I think that's just yeah. on its own out there. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're calling this Phase 1, Chapter 1, and it's called Gods and Monsters. And it is a shared universe where things are connecting and it's crossing between movies and TVs. And he, he's even, even implied at one point that maybe games would even be included at some point, but... I don't think any games that we know about yet are actually included in it. It's that, but that, I think that was just like, he was asked about it. He said, yeah, that'd be cool to do someday, kind of thing. Um, 
So there's, I think, five TV shows that were kind of, like, announced. One of them we kind of already knew about, but now it's kind of official and part of this slate. Um, so, yeah, chapter one's called Gods and Monsters. And it's kind of mixing some of the bigger characters with some lesser characters. And that's, that's in both mediums as well. I would say that there's kind of a mixture of big characters in movies and small characters in movies, and then same with TV. I think there's a nice spread uh, in that sense. Uh, what makes this kind of interesting and why it's a little different to Marvel, well, one of the reasons why it's a little bit different to Marvel, is that it does sound like they're going to try and kind of like spin it as if like it's evolved from the current movies, where I don't know if like they're going to try and set up Flash retroactively to kind of change things to be what it is afterwards. Because they're still, like, when he's asked about it, he's still saying, hey, maybe Ezra Miller could come back. There could be more of that. And, yeah, it depends uh, how much money that movie makes, really, is what he's saying. There. Yeah. The sad part about that is, though, it's, it's tainted the character of The Flash so much. And I love The Flash. And if, if that movie sucks or isn't successful, it's, I don't really mind in the sense that I don't think the movie's going to be good, but it bothers me in the sense that it means... But the problem is, is if it is successful, then... They'll, they'll, they'll want more Ezra Miller Flash. <laughs> I hope it's terrible because they'll still want Flash because the TV show ran for God knows how many years and th- that confirms that uh, it's still true, true. popular. And then all it means is uh, we don't want to re- we don't want to do Barry Allen again. So let's let's uh, give him Molly West. True, true, true. I think we win, but I think we win that way. <sighs> That's kind of threading the needle, and I do like it. If that if that happens, I will be a happy, happy man. I'm just worried that the property in general of the Flash might be tainted for a bit. I'm, I'm, I am concerned poss- about that. It is possible, but I'm not overly concerned. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll fill you in the movies at the end of this. Uh, I don't have like big quotes for them. I just written down the list because that's not what we're really here to talk about. We're here to talk about TV shows. Uh, first up, we got an animated show, or at least partially animated, uh, Creature Commandos is up first. Obviously, this is one of the lesser, you know, characters or properties. I, I, had, I had assumed this was just fully animated. I, I didn't read into well, it. Well, there's some quotes from Gunn here. There's, there's not really a synopsis per se. There's just like a series of quotes from, from Gunn or whatever when he was interviewed he, about all this. He just did some some, some yeah. speaking and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah take what yeah. you want. So, it's an animated TV series. Animation will lead into live action and back into animation, said Gunn. So... Uh, does he mean specifically in this show, or does he mean... Well, let me continue, you'll see if it goes up. Uh, it's a way to tell stories that are gigantic and huge without spending $50 million an episode. Uh, so, Gunn's written this. He's finished writing it. It's ready to sort of, you know, go to the next stage. Uh, Creature Commandos is comprised of military superhumans, including a human leader, a werewolf, a vampire, Frankenstein's monster, and a gorgon. Uh... Gunn has pointed out uh, that Weasel from his Suicide Squad uh, will be on the show. And people thought that was a fun joke character in his Suicide Squad movie, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, so when it says Frankenstein's monster, is that like Frankenstein Agent of Shade, specifically? I would have thought so, yeah. Well, that's but cool. I'm, I've not read any Creature Corner, so... I could see this being a fun animated show. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's got a, a fun romp vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is where I think James Gunn's humour will fit in nicely. I think this type of property with these characters, his sense of humour will just work. The oddballs. Yeah. yeah. That'll, that'll just work. And he's, he's already done with Suicide Squad. And I've not finished Peacemaker. I've got two episodes left, but it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's funny. The characters are likeable and, you know, I'm laughing frequently enough. The plot's just kind of whatever, but everything else about it's kind of fun. Um, Makes sense. 
so that's that. Uh, on Peacemaker, actually, the second show is Waller, which is kind of a spin-off of Peacemaker. Uh, so, same actors. It's a continuation of Peacemaker. Um, Gunn himself is writing the Superman movie. More on that in a little bit. Uh, so, he's not doing... Or, so, they're not doing Peacemaker Season 2. So, they're doing Waller in between, which implies that he wants to do Peacemaker Season 2, and it did get renewed, but it's on the back burner until he's done writing Superman and... Because so, I presume that means that he's not as hands-on with Waller. He's, he's guiding yeah, that it. That definitely he's, sounds like yeah. the implication. That he'll, he'll maybe set it up, but then someone uh, and someone else will take on the actual writing yeah. duties. Because Peacemaker, he directed all nine episodes. So, you know, he was very much just making that. That, that takes time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Crystal Henry from The Watchmen. I don't know if it's from The Watchmen. I don't know who this actor is. I don't know if this is an actor from the movie or the TV show Watchmen, but it says from Watchmen. Uh, is writing the show along with Jeremy Carver, uh, who's the creator of Doom Patrol, funnily enough. Uh, Well, none of the movies are going to be rated R. The TV shows could lean into more adult sort of rated material. So, yeah, makes a bit of sense. Waller could get darker. Makes sense, yeah. And also less punishing on the bottom line to have R-rated TV than it is movies. And that, I mean, don't get me wrong, if it's a huge shit, maybe they'll want more of it, but it sounds like it's kind of planned as a one and done, and then they could always do more if they want to, but... Yeah, and with with it being Waller, that, that makes sense. You can just tell a new story with her at any point, really. Yeah, she's just manipulating other villains, basically. <laughs> she just does her shtick. Yeah. Uh, then we have Lanterns, and this is one we kind of knew about before, and we'd actually even already heard the news that it was changing, uh, and this is basically uh, just reconfirming what it changed to. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. I think it was just last week we were talking about how allegedly there was all these DC shows in production, and, and we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll believe it when we see them. Uh, this is just confirming that a lot of those that we had heard about seem to have gone, really. Yeah, or... the, the only exception to this, uh, and it is mentioned in the longer article, I've not written it down here, but like, you know, the, the stuff that's in development is tied to the Matt Reeves Batman stuff is still in development, and that's, that's just separate from this slate. It's not a part of yeah. this kind of thing. Uh, so Lanterns is the Green Lantern TV show. Um, but but I, do they think it's more prestigious sounding just calling it Lanterns? Because I, I kind of wish it was just called Green Lanterns. Like, why are we hiding that? <laughs> I don't know. I just <laughs> Unless there's an implication that they'll be showing lots of non-Green ah, Lanterns true, as well. True. I suppose that's, that's, that's fair. Uh, so it's a HBO Max live action series. Uh, the vision for this is basically a true detective with Green Lanterns. Uh, Saffron says it's a t- uh, terrestrial based it's got two of her favourite Green Lanterns Hal Jordan and John Stewart it plays a really big role in the main story that we're telling across our film and television so this is going to be central to the overall Gods and Monsters plot if you will uh, it's a very important show for us he said uh, so double edged sword for me this because I think for just you know out of the way this sounds great all and more for it I like everything they said there a little, a little bit disappointed about the other show, which, from what I remember, was more space focused. Yeah, and also it was a, a more interesting combination because it was like, uh, it was like Alan and was a guy who was the other one. I think it was like a weird combo of like Lanterns yeah, there was, was three around. of them. Well, I think there was Alan, Guy, and John, maybe something, uh, something like that. Yeah, um, and it, that, that sounded more interesting to me. Do you but know what? this definitely doesn't sound. I, I like everything about this still, just not as much i would say 
I don't know if I necessarily want the tone of True Detective in this, but if they mean that they're going to play with the narrative and how it tells its story like True Detective, uh, and, and, and also that it's kind of like a buddy cop kind of thing, that that's fine. Like, I, I, that all makes yeah. sense to me. I, I saw um, someone joking that, hey, King in Yellow. Hmm. Green Latins are weak against Yellow. Hmm. True Detective. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, that was the thought That process. was the logic, was it? Okay. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I, I can see it. And as far as this being like central to the overall story, I I will say I kind of like the sense of focus that because it feels like there's a there's a clear things that they've picked and there's a focus. Some of it feels less important than others. Like I can't imagine Waller feeling that important to the overall story, but they're specifically saying that this is. I do kind of like that if I if this is if, if enough of this stuff is good and I get excited about the shared universe that they're going to try and build, and I hope I you know I want to, I want to be into it, I want to be excited by it. Um. I hope that it really does feel like, okay, there's a show that's designed to be the backbone like this that's kind of setting up the overall... Like, what if they're investigating a crime that's building to the main big villain that's, that we're going to get at the end of the yeah. phase, you know? I will say that, on paper, at least, I like more about this shared universe so far, potentially, than, than what I kind of how I feel about a lot of the Marvel one right now. Oh, absolutely, because I, I, like... But- I, I, on paper, this all sounds very like they're tonally different projects. Yes, it also sounds very focused in that they know what each like what each like project is adding to the overall puzzle, and that there's an end game for it, kind of in mind. Now, admittedly, I'm not so sure if any of the things they've announced are the ending of it, and maybe that's kind of the point is that it's going to be chapter two where you get your big team up or Justice League or you know whatever they're going to do, but. This at least feels a bit fresher to me, and I, you know, I've not been into any of the Phase Four stuff from Marvel. I did enjoy Endgame and Infinity War, but I was already kind of out in the general MCU movies before that point. Those two were just kind of a, they were just better, but also just because it was kind of this conclusion to all the stuff that I had enjoyed earlier on for you know one one reason or another. But it was kind of like a an end, natural ending point, and I feel like all of Phase Four, anything I've seen from it, just feels kind of directionless and like it's spinning its wheels. And there's kind of like a, a formula to the movies. I really it's hope fine, Phase Five starts soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt I'm going to see any of it, to be honest. Uh, but so I really hope. And I, and for the record, I'm not really planning on seeing any of the DC movies that are coming out before this stuff, really either. Uh, maybe if they say Flash is important, I'll eventually see it at home just to fill in the blanks, just to see. Yeah, I have no plans. Yeah. To see it. I, I will say just uh, very briefly. Props to Marvel for the uh, the Ant Man tie in book because that sounds that that is that is merchandising at its best. I don't know if you've seen this. <laughs> no, um, is it? they have got a fictional in world autobiography memoir thing by Scott Lang, and they, but like as like an actual book that they've published in reality. Uh, oh, okay. And like, they they got the audio book. I think you know they've got you know Paul Rudd to narrate the audio book and you know read okay. his memoirs as Scott Lang. And honestly, it, it, I just love that they've made it for real. Like I think that's commitment to the bit. All right, so that's lanterns anyway. Um, so next up is Paradise Lost. Now this is an interesting one. So this is another HBO Max live show. This is. Uh, I meant live action. I just said live show. <laughs> it's not live. They're not broadcasting live. <laughs> it's going to be... That's your reality show. Yeah. So they're describing this as a Game of thrones story set in Themyscira, which, you know, fair enough, right? I get oh. the appeal of doing that. Uh, the home of the Amazons and the birthplace of Wonder Woman. This drama is really about the political intrigue behind the society of, of all women. 
how it how did that come about says saffron what's the beautiful truths and ugly truths behind all of that and what's the scheming like uh, and all the power plays in that society uh added james gunn so this all takes place before the birth of diana now my question this one's weird to me because like like is there any intention of ever bringing back the version of wonder woman that was seen in the wonder woman movies is this supposed to be a prequel to that stuff or is this like a sort of soft like we're just doing Themyscira and then later we'll reveal our new wonder woman for the new movies i, I suspect once we see the artistic design for this just like if, if it's following mm. design cues from the from those movies because they, they had a very clear sense of what Themyscira was right in in those movies I think if this follows that kind of visual style, I would assume that this is kind of still... Those movies are still, relatively speaking, canon, right? Uh, if it's a departure from those movies, I would say, yeah, they're probably just looking at doing something new. Yeah. For the record, I hope that it is completely fresh and that we're just burning everything to the ground that came before. Even though parts of some things were okay, fresh start. None of, I don't think anything from the previous universe is worth keeping around, quite frankly. That's, that's my stance on it. Uh, so, I'm not saying it ruins it if they do keep it anything, but, like, I'm just... If, if I was picking, that's the choice I'd be making. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, and uh, last up in the TV projects is Booster Gold, HBO Max TV show. Uh, yeah, boy. About a loser from the future <laughs> who uses future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. Uh, <laughs> Um, I like that description. A loser from the future. That is the perfect description well. for Booster Gold. They, they <laughs> don't mention it, but Booster and Skeets, just kind of that banter is going to be so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Skeets, I mean, Skeets, will just, that's just part of Booster Gold's, like, It has to be. Obviously, they don't mention yeah. him, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn described it as imposter syndrome as a superhero. Uh, so, uh, fun idea. It's definitely an unconventional pick. Um, I think even just look at the TV shows, I think you look at these and you go, okay, something connected to Wonder Woman, which was very popular recently. Green Lantern's kind of a big part of DC that, yeah, it got a movie in 2011, but it kind of, you know, flopped. But it's like, you know, I think you've got the Trinity at DC, and then the next two things after that are Flash and Green Lantern. And Flash has had its TV show on network TV. It's getting its weird movie that's kind of like, not really a Flash movie, but whatever. Green Lantern's the one that feels like it's been the least touched and it's been forgotten yeah. about the longest time. So I like that being the pillar. I know um, during this, Gunn also made some comments about you know the the Trinity kind of being those pillars that mm -hmm. they kind of base everything around and kind of expand out from that, which is why I think we have a Wonder Woman adjacent project here to absolutely. kind of anchor this this TV kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get to do Creature Commandos, Booster Gold. Uh, I won't quite count Waller because Waller's kind of a spin-off from something else that was already fairly successful. But I think yeah. Creature Commando and Booster Gold, I think those those are kind of like, okay, these are the riskier ones that we'll do alongside the other stuff and hope they take off. And, you know, if people start making memes, you know, like, I mean, look at how big the boys I, has Booster got. Booster Gold is going to be memeable as shit. If Booster Gold can hit into some of that, uh, what do we call him from uh, the boys? Homelander. Like, if he, if he gets some of that Homelander gifable qualities to him, then... In fact, he probably should look like Homelander. Not the outfit necessarily, but you know what I mean. Like, you you put booster, you put that Booster Gold outfit on uh, Anthony Starr. To tell me that doesn't just look like Booster Gold. <laughs> also, he would be a great booster. Oh yeah, he's fine. He's got the comic um, timing. To be fair, he, he he does, and he's a great actor in general. So he he'd, he'd be a great at a lot of things. Uh, 
obviously don't go against someone else and that's fine. oh yeah i they don't should. want him to be it because obviously so, it's too similar just just uh he'd be great because he's great well the characters aren't similar but you know what i mean it's, it's like i don't want him to do another superhero thing like do, do other yeah. more interesting things anyway uh but just to sort of wrap this up the movies going along with this uh there's five movies they announced uh superman legacy which guns rating uh unknown if he's going to decide to direct it What's so funny about that one is that I don't think that guns would be my first choice because his sense of humor, but I also I don't necessarily mean to say that I don't trust him to get Superman. In fact, one of the things they said in the description, which it's amazing that we're still not really done this in a Superman movie yet, is that it's looking through, like, okay, Superman's trying to be this goody two-shoes in a modern cynical world, and that's very much what they're going to try and explore. If they can nail that, then it might very well be the best Superman movie. Like, if they can nail that, Yes. It's, it's super interesting to me, like, that this is... Th- so, okay, you've got the name Legacy, right, which imply, you know, which has its own kind of baggage. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, but it's actually a young Superman, right, is what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. But also it's very heavily inspired slash based on All-Star Superman, which is definitely not a young Superman. That's like peak Superman. That's true. Well, I mean, obviously they're doing their own thing. I'm sure they'll be... They are. It's just, it's such a interesting mishmash of kind of yeah. ideas but it's not I'm an origin though they did say it wasn't an origin and they that's smart that, yeah. because we, we don't need it <laughs> we don't. no one needs that uh so that's there we have the authority which is one of the weirder sort of you know lesser known properties that they're which doing is one that i'm very i'm slightly more skeptical about because it's sure. it's one of those uh kind of edgy justice league teams right essentially yeah. like from like that late 90s stuff where <laughs> We kind of. I think it's very typical. I think it's a very typical James Gunn property. To, and it is the one that feels kind of at home for him. <laughs> but also, it's kind of competing with something like the boys right now. Yeah, the the two th- thoughts that come to mind with that is that one, if it's a success, it'll catapult what the authorities like prestige is, and all of a sudden there'll be an authority comic book again. Because I mean, it probably will be just for the movie coming out. But if it's a big hit and people love it, then there'll be comics from the authority forever. In the same way that past a certain point there's always a harley quinn comic book you know once you got reached a certain point of popularity oh now all of a sudden there's just always going to be a harley quinn book because it's always yourself yeah um the other thing on that is that maybe the point of having kind of a a shittier justice league is much like i I think looking at the the looking at superman the way they described i can see almost a meta commentary about how the last movies handled superman in that i can kind of see this also doing that with just the heroes in general and i can also see that Again, if all this is weaving together and that they're building some sort of big bad for later, that in chapter two there'll be an actual like, Justice League taking on, maybe the real villain like kills them all at the end or something like that. Maybe they fail. It's possible. Or something. I I think th- this is the one that I'm probably the most cautious about because again, it's it's very uh, like I say, it's this commentary on on superhero teams of Justice League yeah. specifically in this case, and I feel like. I want a good Justice League film first before we start doing the commentary on that, but yeah, that's not to say it won't be a good movie. Just I'm inherently less excited for this one. It's not, it's probably the one that I'm least excited for as well, especially since we've not had a good Justice League yet. But I mean, if they give me a good Justice League in Phase Two, then I'm not going to care that much in hindsight. You know, when once we get the good movie, I was like, whatever, we got a good Justice League. I don't care now. Uh, Brave and the Bold, and this one's kind of interesting because mm. this is the DC Universe version of Batman. So the Matt Reeves Batman 2 is still happening. Uh, that's been... They're de- calling it Batman Part 2, right? They are, yeah. And that's coming... Batman. They're coming... That's coming late 2025, I think they said. So... Sounds right. 
uh, this is going to be the in-universe Batman and Damien Wayne, and it kind of hinted that it's probably going to be like when Damien first is around. Uh, um, I don't know if it was in the interview or if it was like tweets that followed up later, but Gunn kind of was like, hey, you know, these are some of the comics that we're heavily drawing inspiration from. And he kind of highlighted Batman and Son. Yeah. Batman, so, Batman and Robin and stuff. So it's interesting it's called Brave and the Bold. Obviously it leaves it open for more like Bat family members and stuff to show up. Uh, but and interest. I mean, I, I like that they're doing Damien. I mean, my only worry is that they're going to skip over any of the other characters that are supposed to be before Damien for you know to, to streamline it. And that's a little bit of a shame for some of them. Not Jason, but the rest of them is. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I do appreciate... Do you know what my favourite part of it is? Is that I love that he said, Batman and Son by Grant Morrison, that is the influence. Uh, All-Star Su- also by Grant Morrison, funny enough. All-Star Superman, uh, that is the influence for this this story. And, and some of the ones he mentioned specifically as well, we'll get to. Yeah, I was just going to get um, to the other ones, but yeah. I, I, I love the fact that, like I say, he, he's outright just saying, no, these are the stories. Yeah. Like, and, uh, and obviously there's going to be changes. Those comics are selling now all of a sudden. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be changes, there's going to be like things they add on to fit into the universe, because it's taking place in a different part of the timeline than it did in the comic books. But the idea that he's saying, these are the influences, this is the, the story that we're kind of using as a basis, actually is the best thing about all these announcements to me, is that it feels like, okay, we're actually adapting specific stories, obviously with changes to make them fit together, because, you know... All these stories take place late on in the careers of a lot of these superheroes. We're in the movies. I'm assuming that it's all going to be relatively early in their careers because it's going to be a fresher universe. But Probably, you know, yeah. uh, then we get Swamp Thing, uh, and notably, there's a director sort of not. I don't think he's attached yet, but he's in talks for. Yeah, and it's a good director too. Yeah, James Mangold, who uh, did Logan, and uh, what did he do recently that was well received? Uh, Ford v Ferrari, I think, right. Him? Yeah, I, mean, I think he did do that, but that's not what I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, he's got the upcoming Indiana Jones. That, oh, that's what I was thinking, yeah. They're, they're all saying Indiana Jones 5. That's what they're saying about him. Right. Um, Bobby Ferrari is, was great, though. That was a solid... No, that's Ron Howard, you tit. <laughs> well, he, he did a movie similar to that then, surely. I'm sure he did something along those lines. No, 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 I think you're right. I think Rush is Ron Howard. I think I'm Rush mixing, is Ron Howard, yeah, yeah. I'm mixing the two car movies up. Sorry, sorry. I retract my tech comment. I'm sure you'll earn that again soon, but for now I retract. Probably, but not for this particular one. <laughs> I retract for now. Um, well, it's very rare. Uh, no, I, obviously, I love Swamp Thing as a character. I would love... And the, the, the annoying thing about that TV show that was on HBO Max... Yeah, or it actually not being shit. Sorry, it was DC Universe at the time, not HBO Max. It was, I, yeah. I correct myself. It didn't, uh, it didn't air on CW later after Yeah. Um, it, it was pretty bad. It was, in fact, it was really bad. But the one mm-hmm. thing I'll say is that Swamp Thing himself looked perfect. And... Oh, 100%. So... Keep the look <laughs> and make a good movie. And Mangle did tweet out uh, a Swamp Thing panel on his Twitter, uh, sort of basically sort of confirming the stories and showing that he gives a shit. So I would be shocked if this is not based on some prime Alan Moore Swamp I, thing. I think I think this is another one where it was pointed towards was it? Okay, the yeah. Alan Moore run. I think, I, I, I'm sure it was in a, a James Gunn tweet. So, see if they of, captured the mood of that Swamp Thing run in a movie. I will freaking love it. Like, I, yeah, I will I love it if it captures that mood. And yeah. this is so different to all these other properties so far, which I really like. Um, you know. And I love how comic booky Brave and the Bold sounds as well, to be honest. That's another good thing. And then the last movie 
is a Supergirl movie. Now, they don't, I don't think they officially call the movie this, but it's based on Supergirl, Women of Tomorrow by Tom King, which is a book that I read and liked a lot. Uh, and it's not even that old a book. It only just finished like a year ago. Last year, yeah. yeah. It was early last year that it finished his eight-issue run. And the irony of this is, is I, I just learned this actually in the last couple of days. Apparently, it was pitched as a 12-issue book, like most of Tom King's like prestige books are. And it got declined because they, or it didn't get declined, but it got cut down to eight because they didn't think it would sell enough to justify. And what's so funny about that is that in the last couple of days since these announcements came out, the trade paperback, the, the the book that you can buy of the entire collection, has sold out on Amazon and multiple other places. Uh, and that, that's true for uh, some of the other stories that these are based on as well. But that Supergirl one's particularly funny. And do you know what? I do appreciate it because I like Supergirl as a character a lot. And I would never have predicted that in this opening batch of movies, if there was a Superman movie, that there'd also be a Supergirl movie. And, and if there was, would you expect it to be this? Probably not. So I love that this is the, the space adventure Supergirl story. It's going to be true grit in space with Supergirl. That's cool. Yep. That's very different to the other movies, which is great. But I also just love it is that because I'm a fan of the character, I love that she gets another chance when I didn't think there would be. I didn't think she'd get a movie anytime soon. I, I didn't either. Um, and I was sure if they did, it would be more likely to be something like Supergirl being super that would get adapted, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously there was always a chance that the one that's going to be in the Flash movie would get, like, something afterwards. And I have nothing against that actress, but because I, I like, that movie is so tainted to me from, like, so many different reasons. Like, between, I mean, let's not even get into the actor's hijinks. I, I'm just talking about the weird concoction it is, the fact that it's not really a Flash movie. Like, really, we're doing, like, Flashpoint before we just do the Flash fights the rogues or the Flash fights, uh, you know, Reverse yeah, Flash or Gorilla Grodd. He's he's got a whole rogues gallery to go through, and we're we're just going well, straight to uh, uh, that fine, box. Michael Keaton. Oh, but I don't give a shit about Michael Keaton as Batman. I really don't. I, I know. I know. Uh, uh, just uh, real quickly, I did. I found the tweet from Gunn. Okay, go. Um, so he just said, "Oh, we've talked a lot about Woman of Tomorrow, but these are more of the comics inspiring. You know, these movies in the early days. It doesn't mean we're adapting all these comics." But the feel, the look, or the tone of them are touchstones for the team. Check right, them okay. out. Okay, that's good. That's and good. then he included images of uh, All Star Superman, uh, the Authority Omnibus, uh, the Batman by Grant Morrison Omnibus, the Volume One, and Absolute Something by Alan Moore. Those are the the four images he included. Yeah. So I, I those think... are what you can be expecting. I think with Superman, I do not expect an adaptation of All Star Superman. I think that's one that's more about the feel and how it. Yeah. It, yeah. Whereas I can see Swamp Thing being a sh- more of a straight adaptation of like part of Alan Moore's run. Could well be. Uh, but if, at the very least, you can, okay, I understand what they're going for yeah. in the tone and direction just from kind of putting that image yeah. out. And I won't be mad if it's not, but I, I just I, it feels like they, they could just take the, the, the structure of that and turn it into a movie. And I think Supergirl Luna Tomorrow is such a specific thing to reference. That it is, yeah. It feels like, well, at the very least, you're doing a space adventure. And honestly, yeah, give me Supergirl True Grit <laughs> and Space. I'm, I'm all for it. Why not? Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so. uh, it's something. I mean, I am relatively optimistic as a DC fan about these announcements. Obviously, we talked about the movies a bit there. It was impossible not to. But the TV shows, uh, like, you know, Creature Commandos could be good. Waller could be good. But I'm not super excited about those. Paradise Lost... Uh, and whatever it's lanterns and booster gold i like lanterns is the one i'm most excited about and then booster gold kind of is a secondary one i could see being quite special as a more comedy orientated thing 
Uh, but here's yeah. hoping. Here's hoping for good stuff. And then, uh, you know, we've still got on top of all Obviously, we mentioned the Batman part two, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we've got whatever the weird Joker sequel is going to be as well. Which I don't care about that. <laughs> I, I know, but I respect the hell out of them doing just different things and not adhering to everything must be in this universe. Right? Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, do you know what? I will say I hope Brave and the Bold's more comic booky in the sense that this can be the Batman that has Mr. Freeze and Clayface and all that other shit. Like, you know, the Batman's doing the gr- the grounded, like, real-life gritty thing. And I love that, but I want a version that has all the other shit in it. So I'm I'm going to enjoy the other one a lot more because I, I, I didn't really love the Batman, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, I don't love it. I but... wanted to like it more, but yeah, it, didn't, it didn't really do a lot for me in the end. Anyway, let's go on to the other news. we got dramas to talk about. Uh, first up, Amazon Studios has hired Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's, you know, did Fleabag and Killing Eve, to develop uh, a potential Tomb Raider uh, TV show. And they're hoping to (laughs) make it as part of a Tomb Raider universe that will span television, film, and games. Every goddamn time. I know. Uh, So the TV show specifically is uh, from being developed by Waller-Bridge, uh, and she's also could be involved in a potential movie, although that's not confirmed as of yet. Uh, so, yeah, do you know what's so weird about this? Is that I get wanting to do another crack at a Tomb Raider movie, or potentially a show if you want to do a show instead. I, I can see it working as a TV show, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, it makes sense that they've got Crystal Dynamics, who, make, who made the games anyway, making another game in the franchise, because why wouldn't you? But it's interesting, and I'm not even against the idea that the new game... And the new movie or TV show could be set in the same world and maybe reference each other. And it's just, you know, one's an interactive story with Lara that you've played. And then, you know, that's referenced a little bit in the, the movie or TV show. That's fine. Or the other way around. Whatever, whatever way works. But movies and TV? Like, there's one character from Tomb Raider that you follow and her name is Lara Croft. What, what is the... Like, if she's... The, o- a- the only way this ever works... Because, for a start... It doesn't, right? To have these <laughs> cross-media platforms, they, they've they've never worked. They keep trying them, they always fall apart. Like, do you remember the uh, the Dark Tower universe that we're gonna do? Yeah, it, it it doesn't work. Well, no, I'm assuming that from this, like either the movie or the show is the Lara Croft like adventures, right? And the other thing is more of like a spin-off about someone else in the universe. But obviously, I don't necessarily think that's that exciting it's at this point. Butler in the fridge. <laughs> I don't think that's that exciting because. Name me one other character from Tomb Raider that's not Lara Croft. Butler in the Fridge. They're not making a TV show about Butler in the Fridge. What are they going well, to they do? Might be. Alfred, do? Uh, no, yeah, Alfred's been cancelled. <laughs> I don't know what the butler's name is, but, uh, you know, the name and then just colon, the butler in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. Which is not canon for the record. We I, all di- I, we all did it to him in Tomb Raider 2, but it wasn't canon. Yeah, everyone did it, but... <laughs> Look, um, if it was me doing this, I would, I would have them both be Lara Croft. Sure. Uh, and hear me out. I'd basically have the TV show be, you know, my TV show, but as usual, and I would have the movie kind of in between seasons every so often as just here's the big spectacle kind with, of with a bigger budget. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, okay. Given what you've just said there, what I'm what I'm thinking is is that the show. It follows Lara, and we're doing some adventuring and some action and stuff, but the actual big 
like story of her going into some big tomb that needs a budget will be the movie. So you only do that for the movies in between seasons or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm even thinking something, I mean, very specific, but you know, like the, what they've been doing with like Doctor Who in the last, you know, they did it for the uh, the 50th anniversary where it's, it's a TV show, right? But they had this like, okay, feature length special and we're going to show it in cinemas. Okay. And it, is, it was essentially a movie. I mean, no, I mean, if you put it like that, then I can see maybe how it works. I mean, the the plot has never been what's been that exciting to me about Tomb Raider anyway, so they're kind of free to do whatever. All you really need is to have a good Lara Croft, to have it feel like she's doing things like the game, so you're jumping, climbing, you know, sneaking around bad guys, whatever. Nail that, and then the story's kind of whatever. But, yeah, so... I don't know. So every so often we get one of these things where, okay, we're going to build a shared universe out of this property. I was like, but that's a property surrounding one character. <laughs> like, what's the shared universe? Are you going to introduce like new characters into the story just to spin off into their own thing? Because hey, that Tim's usually a peacemaker. Yeah, he, but... he did the Suicide Squad movie and was like, hey, this this is shared universe material here. Yeah, but. It... Yeah, but it's not like they announced, hey, we're doing Suicide Squad and there's going to be a TV show that spins out of it. He made that choice after he made the movie to take the character. I I, I agree, yeah. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is, it's just announced a TV show or a movie, whatever one you want to do first, and then when it starts, that people like it, then you can be, hey, we've got exciting news, you're getting another thing. (laughs) Like, you know. Hey, we we might joke and give Yellowstone some shit lately, but at least they got like, you know, they did like five seasons, and it's like, hey, we, we we got... a prequel, you know, we got something. True, true. And I, I, I don't know if they've got movies in the pipeline, but I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Hmm. I just remember thinking of Last of Us again. I can totally see, like, these, like, in-between seasons, like, called Factions, or called, like, Fireflies, The Last of Us, you know, like, I, I can yeah, totally I see mean, those stories. Yeah, I mean, it's not that different to what, at one point, Walking Dead was going to be doing, right? With the, uh, the trilogy of movies that kind of got abandoned and just became another TV show. But yeah, uh, no. Instead, they just say they split their cast up into three new shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got milk it. <laughs> it's so funny. You've got it's like you got to the end of Friends, and instead of just getting one spinoff with Joey, you get a spinoff with Joey and like Phoebe on one show, and then you know uh, Chandler and Monica on another show, but they're a family sitcom, and then Rachel and Ross are like a traveling couple in Europe or something, and that's the, the third show. I was like, that's what they did. That's how we're going to milk this for even more, is we're going to split the six cast members up into th- three doubles and just do three new shows. Hey, if they thought they could get away with it. Yeah. Well, the problem is is that those cast members were costing so much money by the time they got to that yeah. last season. But like, that's kind of what Walking Dead's done. I mean, they didn't plan it that way to begin with, because the Rick stuff was supposed to be more movies, but now it's become like a limited series. So now it's just like three TV shows. But anyway... Um, alright, so, uh, following up the Tomb Raider news, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is doing other stuff at Amazon, too. Uh, she's renewed her deal with Amazon, uh, and she's developing another drama called Sign Here, which is based on Claudia Luxie's novel. Sign Here, published in October by Penguin, is described as a darkly humorous, utterly gripping debut novel about a guy who works in hell. Literally. Uh... Peyote Tips, sorry, Peyote Trip has a, what's that, what's that weird name? Peyote. Peyote Trip has a pretty good gig in the dealers department on the fifth floor of hell. Sure, none of the pens work, the coffee machine's been out of order for a century, and the only drink on offer is Jägermeister, but it's still hell, 
and after waiting a millennium, he comes up with a plan that may just change his life and death forever. I don't know. The only thing you could drink is Jägermeister. It does sound like hell. I've never, ha I've never had a Jägermeister. I can't, I can't comment. It's not good. It's, uh... There's a reason why only students drink it and mix it with Red Bull. Because <laughs> it's the only way it's tolerable. And, and I like things that are... It's, it's a very bitter herbal flavor. But it's just bad. I'll take your word for it. Uh... And sticking with Amazon, Amazon, really busy in the news this week. Amazon are finalizing deals for a criminal TV show. This is the Ed Brubaker and uh, Sean Phillips comic book. Yes, I did see this. That, this is uh, exciting stuff. Yeah, being adapted. Uh, so they're not really giving many details right now, but, uh, you know, Brubaker, who's serving as executive producer and showrunner, uh, is described as an interlocking universe of crime stories based on his award-winning comics. Uh, the writer's rumor is apparently set up already, and... Uh, that's basically it. There's not much more to it. Um, so I've never read the comic, but I assume that also goes through a series of different stories that sort of interconnect. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, uh, Brubaker has a lot of TV work already. So yeah, yeah. So he's, this is probably he's very made. familiar with the medium. Yeah, I wonder. Do you do like short seasons based on each story, or are the stories kind of short enough that you could do an episode in each one? Very varies. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What so, I will say is, I saw this news, and it made me really want a series of Reckless movies. I don't oh. know if you've read any of their Reckless stuff. That's the, I don't think so. They're the straight-to-graphic novel ones they've been doing. The no, no, I definitely haven't. And this is, like, the fifth one I got here that I've not read yet, but, like, all of them are so good. They're very, like, 70s pulp kind of detective stuff. Okay. Uh, I would love a series of movies for these. I mean, if they can capture the, the tone of those, because I've not read these books specifically, but I've read other Brubaker stuff. If they can capture that, and given that he's on it, they may very well capture yeah, it. I mean, Brubaker and Phillips have a, a very particular tone that follows pretty much all their work. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that's the important thing they need the, to do. The question is, is that they get like directors and cinematographers who can kind of like do the, 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 the visual live action version of that, that tone and style. That'd be a yeah. very interesting thing to, to see if, when it's adapted. Uh, but just from reputation, I'm kind of excited about it, even though I've never read any of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, fair play. Uh, next up, Annette Benning is going to headline Peacock's upcoming limited series, Apples Never Fall. Uh, it's her return to TV after 20 years, uh, give or take. The last thing she was in TV Before was... Before you go any further, what? that title has me very concerned for this description, because... This sounds like it's going to be some going back home to family. Apples never fall. So the last time she was in a TV thing was a, a TV movie on HBO uh, called Mrs. Harris. And she played herself once in an episode of The Sopranos. That's, that's the extent of her TV that, that career. That doesn't count. <laughs> She's still in it. Yes, but that's not TV work. That's a cameo. You don't know how big of a part it was. The, the, I, I bet there's an example I could probably think of where someone played themselves for an extended period like in a show, because that was the running gag. I'm sure. I'm sure it's happened in a comedy. The repeated cameo. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Uh, Chris Sweeney's also been added to the cast from The Tourist. Uh, sorry, not to cast. Sorry, he's going to direct multiple episodes. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah. So it's based on Leanne Moriarty's novel, 
that same author is uh, Big Little Lies and Nine Perfect Strangers, which have already been adapted into limited series. Right, okay. So this is from showrunner Melanie uh, Marnich uh, and Universal International Studios. Um, Apples Never Fall centers on the Delaney's, who from the outside appear to be an inviably contended family. Uh, sorry, contented family. Uh, former tennis coaches Joy and Stan are parents to four adult children. After decades of marriage, they finally have sold their famed tennis academy and are ready to start what should be their golden years of their lives. But after Joy disappears, her children are forced to re-examine their parents' marriage and their family history with fresh eyes. I think fa- I think Dark mm, Family Secret. Secret. Yeah, yeah, I think that applies to that one. It's not what you were expecting, but it's I think... not. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, Apples Never Fall, uh, which I do think is a good title because it's like. It's, it's got a sound to it, and you can sort of instantly get what it's kind of like talking about, despite the fact that it's not literally what it's about. Yeah. I appreciate that in a title. It's better than just, you know, children can be like their parents. That'd be the boring version of the title. <laughs> that would never, ever, ever be the title. <laughs> I don't know. CBS may call. <laughs> Shay. <laughs> All right, next up, Trevor Noah's... Day Zero Productions is developing a series based on Keith Lehman's coming-of-age novel Long Division. Uh, The book was published in 2021. It explores family, hope, grief, love, and race through poetic language and satire. So there's potential here for the description to help some things. Uh, It weaves together the coming-of-age stories of two... uh, Oh god, what's that word? Citeon? C-I-T-O-Y-E-N. Satoyan, maybe? Satoyan? Uh-huh. Well, it's Satoyan City Col- you know, Colson, so it's like cities in quotation marks. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, from different time periods in the coastal community of uh, the Melahatchee, Mississippi. One lives in 2013, where after an onstage meltdown during a nationally televised quiz contest... He becomes an overnight YouTube celebrity and is sent to stay with his grandmother in uh, Malachetti. That's kind of going home. Uh, where a young girl named Baze Shepherd has recently disappeared. Before leaving, City is given a strange book called Long Division, which tells the story of a city, Colson, in 1985. These two, these stories of these two cities and the incredible cast of characters that surround them untimely converge in the city's grandmother's backyard where the truth of Basie's disappearance is revealed. So clearly we're going to get, you get both stories and then eventually they sync up or whatever. Yeah, they made that sound a lot more convoluted than I think it actually is. Yeah. But hey, uh, so that's Long Division. Hey, Long Division is pretty complicated, so maybe they're just living up to the... Uh, Yeah, yeah, it is effort. The title. (laughs) Alright, Peacock is doing a show called Cleo, a one-hour dramedy uh, from writer Jessica Runk, uh, Jane the Virgin developer showrunner Jenny Snyder-Ehrman, and Aaron Kaplan's Capital Entertainment. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Cleo revolves around Cleopatra, an overqualified young woman who is forced to hide her intelligence behind makeup, clothes, and men to earn respect she needs to hang onto her job, being Queen of Egypt. (laughs) A dramatic... 
comedy set in ancient Egypt that proves not much has changed in 2000 years. Cleo shares the feminist take of Ehrman's Peabody Award winning Jane the Virgin. So they're doing like a modern feminist story, but it's Cleopatra in Egypt. I would like to say one, a lot has changed in 2000 years. Thank you very much. Uh, Obviously, yeah, yeah, no, but just you know, I I have I have a particular gripe with some of these style of shows, uh, not shows, but like movies, things where I mean, I think it's fair to say that this is supposed to just be modern day problems in this ancient Egypt setting, and it's not supposed to be historically accurate. I I agree, but (laughs) there's there's something about some like period pieces, whatever the period where. They just feel so alien and wrong to us because they're so different. Even though that's, you know, because that's what it was like. Mm. I kind of, I just prefer that style of, you know, storytelling, in in anything. But this, this, I mean, it might still be fine though. It's right. enjoyable. Well, we're heading over to CBS. They've got two new shows, and <sighs> right, uh, okay. this is wrapping us up. Uh, they only ordered two drama pilots this season, which is quite low. It's the lowest they've ever well, That's because they renewed probably everything. So, uh, first up, there's a spin-off for The Good Wife. Good Wife's got another show, but this time back on network TV. Is, is it The Good Wives? No. Uh, there's no title for it yet, so oh. unknown. Uh, but it had a spin-off already that was on their streaming service, and this is back to being a, another show on uh, on network TV. The Good Wife universe. Yeah. So, Elsbeth uh, Tassioni is an astute but unconventional attorney, it was a breakout character on The Good Wife uh, when she heavily recurred. Uh, she reprised her role in a few episodes of The Good Fight, which is the second show, which I can never have told you if, if I hadn't told me that. Uh, no, not at uh, uh, Elsbeth is now getting her own show in which she will utilize her sing- sing- singular point of view to make unique observations and corner brilliant criminals alongside the NYPD. <laughs> so it's a Fox show. But it's a CBS show. Yeah, yeah, but... The, the, the stole Fox's format for a bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she's an attorney. Wait, did we make that a drinking rule? What? It's Buddy Cop, but one of them's. Uh, yeah, we did. I don't know if this quite qualifies because it just says she works with the police. I don't know if it's, it doesn't mention like a partner. That's, that's true. I I'm, I'm not sure if I, I would say that qualifies yeah. as that. Uh, then the second show CBS have uh, ordered is Matlock, which you may have heard of because it's a, it's a new version of an old mm-hmm. uh, show. Uh, written by Jane the Virgin creator, uh, Jenny snyder Ehrman. That's that name again. Uh, so she's getting around. Uh, and inspired by the classic TV series standing, starring Andy Griffith. Uh, after achieving success at her in her younger years, the brilliant uh, Sep... Tigenarian. I have to really think about that one. There's a lot, a lot of layers in that word. Uh, Madeline Matlock, played by uh, Kathy Bates, rejoins the workforce at a prestigious law firm where she uses her unassuming demeanor and wily tactics to win cases and expose corruption from within. Ooh. And apparently it will have some ties to the original show, so it's kind of like a legacy sequel series, I guess. So it's a legacy legal drama. LLD, yeah. It's the best kind. LLD, the legacy legal drama. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to add about either of those shows. They both sound no, like... They were, they were bland and boring CBS shows. To go back to DC Comics, they both sound like my kryptonite. So uh, I think that's... Uh, that'll, that'll call it on the news this week. Um, thank the DC News for giving us like 45 minutes of conversation on that one section. Hey, 
We we milked plenty out of Last of Us as well, given that that was a very small news announcement, ultimately. Ah, well, you know, whatever it is. Uh, that's been the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course, uh, check out all the reviews going out. Uh, Last of Us is getting reviewed every week, so look out for episode four on Monday or, or maybe Tuesday. It was Tuesday last week. It just kind of depends. Uh, I, I watched the episode twice this past week and took notes and stuff. And, like, you know, went full hog. Because the episode deserved it. Um and of course the new quantum leaps back uh you can see a review of that with me and tara uh they did a time loop episode this week uh the episode the title of the episode so it's a time loop episode the title connor was leap die repeat oh it's good i like it i approve it's good it's good uh and the gimmick was is that every time he, he it looked back he was in a different character's body for the for the loop oh that's actually really Nice twist on the formula. Yes, yes. Uh, and I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I uh, reviews of that coming out. Um, and then, of course, head over to Mailfuzz Movies and you'll see uh, new episodes of Collector's Cut. We just finished working through... Uh, which uh, 70s Disaster Movies just finished and starting this weekend, the same time this episode goes out, uh, we're starting the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. So uh, head over there if you want to see some thoughts on those. I know we don't usually talk about it that often, but given all the news that we had, there is a, a comic book YouTube channel as well where we talk about all the DC comics. That's true. Comics for the Multiverse uh, is home to the DC Comics podcast. So I will lately talk about a lot of the same news I did today with Matt tomorrow on the Comics podcast. But yeah. But there are reviews. I mean, not of specifically a lot of those things because a lot of them are older comics, but you know, uh, Supergirl, you know, Woman of Tomorrow. Yeah, there's a playlist there with all the reviews of all those issues on that yeah. channel. That's very true. Uh, so you can check out that if you want. Uh, otherwise, though, you know, just like, subscribe. You can go to patreon.com slash TV and support us on a monthly basis to help keep all the content coming or just hit us with a one-time super thanks or something like that. Uh, or, of course, uh, you know, just uh, generally spread the word and share us out on the social medias and things like that. Uh, I'll just thank our Patreon producers uh, for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Shaw, Bornow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. And uh, thank you to all of all of you who watch and listen and support and everything else. Thank you very much. We are done. That has been the TV news. That's been almost cancelled. We'll see you next time. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?